Leave the gun. Take the cannolis. <laughs> okay, real talk. My dad's favorite movie is Goodfellas. It's so embarrassing. I prefer Donnie Brasco, but that's just me. <laughs> Both great movies. As long as it's not a Bronx Tale. Get Shorty, also good. Be like, get the fuck Monday, out of Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Wednesday. Mickey Blue Eyes? A little weak. <laughs> a little weak in the knees. <laughs> we go to the... Everyone, uh, welcome to Let's Pod This. Sorry, Scott was doing electric guitar. Right I was air banding to the intro That's music. That's the first time. Did you do a little beatboxing too? I do not oh. beatbox. I only air band. That's not your oh, just, man. Okay. That, that caught me just right. I didn't think it was that funny, but apparently you really it. was really it. good. It was really good. So can I tell you, before we even get started, I've gotten not one, but two compliments on vodka soaked tampons. <laughs> are you selling them now no i'm just saying that people seem to enjoy so, that we ventured there so despite the fact that our microphones didn't work and we had this weird rant about people who soak tampons and vodka and insert them into their rectum <laughs> as a way to to get drunk without drinking mm. people still liked it huh yeah uh people people seem to enjoy it so if we're ever a slow week in Oklahoma politics we can uh, further explore <laughs> what happens when people try to take substances in weird ways. Illicit drug use and illicit mechanisms are certainly a topic we could explore. That'll have to be after our Star Wars, Star Trek politics yeah, analysis, yeah. Um, which I have an idea about that we can discuss out because we're, we're coming up on our 52nd episode, which I think will be pretty close to actual year. We may have had a week where we wow. had two it's almost like, been a year. That's a big deal, man. Congrats, Real. you guys. So I think Thanks. we should... Uh, yeah. Who's talking? <laughs> do you hear that? Where, where, did I, where, where did that come from? By Jove. Um, well, anyway. Can I say your name? My name is Andy Moore. I'm Scott Melson, and we have a guest with us today. Scott, what's her name? Daniela Buccellio. <laughs> that was no, you, there's no T. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's B-U-S and some I's and L's. Daniela, how do you say of, your name? It's a lot of, yeah, mix up. It's a very rare com- uh, last name. Um, I say Busiglio. Basiglio. Not the way you pronounce Basiglio. it in Italian, but, but it's it's more of like a like a Busiglio. In Italian, it's Busiglio, so it's a lot of oh, it's like yeah. a GL, but it's like a Leo sound. There's weird. like several letters there oh, that you don't it's a lot say, of weird. and it's like SC, so people are like, yeah. Right, yeah. You, you know how she knows that it's weird no. because she's an applied linguistics professor. Oh, indeed, Daniela <laughs> is an applied linguistics professor. Better than anyone else, she is equipped to analyze the structure of her last name mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. It's native tongue. Something like that. Maybe. Right. Have you been, you're from Sicily, correct? Or but, your family's Sicilian? Yeah, both of my parents uh, were born and raised in Sicily and they came over in the 60s, uh, late 60s, early 70s to the U.S. And yeah, used I'm to, from Jersey. That's used where. To date a Sicilian yeah. from oh. California. Hmm. So. so, Daniela Bisiglio. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll say that she is, is that kind of Daniela. Francesca in my phone. Racist. This is true. Is Racist. that your middle name? Yeah, it's my mother's name. That's my okay. middle name, and that's what I have still. I should really change it, but oh. that's what I have on Facebook. So right. that's probably why I have it in my phone. Yeah. Not racist. No, no, yeah. It's not it's not Daniel Spaghetti or something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought it was like you just, like Guinea. you didn't know yeah. her last name and you just picked an Italian sounding last name. No, no. There yeah. was we had an Italian or a, a, yeah, it was an Italian exchange student in high school named Francesca. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm not saying that it's gorgeous. racist to have that last name. I'm saying that if you didn't know and you just picked it. No, I would have... Well, I feel like the low-hanging fruit would be... 
The low-hanging cannolis would be I, something like spaghetti <laughs> or lasagna. I guess it wouldn't be racist to be like, oh, I don't know Scott's last name. It's Smith. Like, it's kind of. I don't think that's how racism works, you guys. <laughs> Fair point. We're, it's already increasing the intelligence of the podcast. We're three minutes in and so far gone. So, Daniela, thank you for joining us. Well, I thank guess we're going to... Thank you for having me. Do you have any of your plethora of announcements? I do have two announcements. Yeah, so next week we have two debates. Count them. One, two debates on Tuesday, August 21st. Um, be a debate in the Corporation Commission at 5.30 will be the Democrats. This is for the primary runoff. So 5.30 Democrats and then... An hour-ish later will be the Republicans, provided both Republicans show. As of right now, Republican incumbent Bob Anthony has declined to participate. He asked if his daughter could could debate in his stead. I still like can't wow. get over that. And we thought that was weird and said, no, we want to hear from the candidates. And they said, why? And we said, duh. And so they said, no. The Be- invitation is still open. they're the one running. That's flagrant. Lots of folks, I think, of trying to... <laughs> yeah. Flagrant. <laughs> Flag on the play. Do you not have an alarm on I your don't have a, No, I've got, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> you need a whistle. And I don't. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> I don't have enough things. So, you um, make your joke now. <laughs> yeah. That's why I put it on here. We, we use these two. We discuss budget and bad jokes a lot. Mm-hmm. That's it. We should have called the podcast Budgets and Bad Jokes. That would have been... That's a that's an episode. That's right there. an episode title for sure. It is. That's a good one. So right. anyway, Tuesday the twenty first, corporation commissioner debate at City Prez here in Oklahoma City. It's on Northwest Thirteenth and Chartel ish. It's near a weird uh, figure eight shaped traffic circle. Um, so that's on Tuesday, and then on Friday the twenty fourth, another debate, same place, same time ish. I think it's at six. It'll be for the uh, runoff for state. Superintendent of Public Instruction, a.k.a. the State Education Superintendent, as Scott says, the principal of the principals. <laughs> so it's uh, between super, uh, current incumbent Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister and her opponent, Linda Murphy. So that should be uh, very informational as well. We will be there, and we're co-hosting with Non-Doc and Generation Citizen as we have our other debates. Uh, this is We're pretty excited. We're getting down to the wire here. The election is on the 28th of this month so those two things coming up and then um i'll plug the rest of the stuff later on in the show scott do you have any articles or announcements no this uh this week and next week and maybe the week after that are going to be a little different because it's kind of the quiet season for a lot of political stuff at the state level well and we we got the opportunity you know we've had in the last few weeks we've had some great guests we had state auditor and inspector gary jones we had dana murphy running for corporation commissioner dana murphy running for lieutenant governor we had matt pinnell also running for lieutenant governor um got some great guests coming up we were fortunate this week next week and the week after to be able to line up some guests that had a, a little bit more kind of an extended period of time that they could spend mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot to talk about with each of them so you know, we kind of felt like it was, and again, if there's if there's a big like breaking, you know, marijuana story, like if there's an <laughs> if there's if there's another major development, breaking the, pot news, right in the medical <laughs> marijuana field, we'll certainly bring that to you. But there hasn't been a whole lot happening locally that that we felt like really needed to be talked about. No, and I'm I'm increasingly sad that we may have to trade in our Pruitt Watch music for some other topical music. No. <laughs> I mean, we're going to keep it. Never. Because you never know when it might come out. But I mean, 
Okay, you're not, you're not saying take the Pruitt Watch music and use it for no, something No, 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 no. That's dedicated for that topic. Okay, all right, then I'm fine. Just saying, it's going to be less frequent than we hear about him for a while. Dude, do you have the theme of The Godfather on there? Because <laughs> nope. we should play it every time Daniela talks. <laughs> oh, that would be, be funny. No, all I've got is... That's racist. <laughs> this, yeah. She's like, she's like, see that what you did there? Right, that that's was racist. racist. <laughs> that's how it works. That's how it goes. On the nose. On the nose. All right. Well. Okay. Well, fun fact. Yes. My aunt, uncle, that the Godfather theme was their wedding song. Oh, really? so it's not racist. <laughs> when they was that when they were walking in or walking out? No, like I think it was. I mean, it was before I was born, but I'm pretty sure that was like their song. Like, oh, the like the first room. dance. Yes, that one. Interesting. Isn't that... Because it speaks softly love. Yes. Right, right, right. I know how to play it on piano. That's awesome. Nice. Maybe she could be our house band for the uh, election yeah. watch party. I'll be your... Just play that over and over again. Who's the guy that was David Letterman's music Paul dude? Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yes, I'll be your Paul Schaefer. Excellent. And Leslie asked us if we would have a female Paul. That's right. And we said, you can't be a female Paul because, you know, Paul is a man, but... <clears throat> It's 2018. Sentiment. You can be whatever you want, Scott. That's right. No, I'm not the one who said it couldn't. You said that. <laughs> I said I, that's because she doesn't play any instruments. <laughs> oh. You weren't rejecting like the idea. No. Of, no. If she wants to come play the glockenspiel, that's cool. But oh. I mean, maybe it's not what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, we do have a guest in studio tonight. Um, She's already contributed more than either of us have. It's true. And definitely... <laughs> As much as we are really working to drag down the intelligence level here, she's uh, still building us up. All right, so Daniela, we want to talk to you um, about what you do for a living now mm-hmm. um, and kind of your background. So yeah. the quick primer is you have a PhD in applied linguistics. Just Te- yeah. Fancy. <laughs> Thanks. A couple of things about that are fancy. Yeah. PhD, so- applied, and linguistics, I think are all fancy in their own way. It's a threefer. <laughs> It is. So um, tell us what that means. Yeah. So technically on my PhD, just for to be official, it says something like curriculum and instruction, which is a really big um, department over at, uh, I did all my work at UW-Madison um, oh, go in Badgers. Wisconsin. Yay, Badgers. So yeah, I just go from one big football school to another. I went to, I taught at the University of Alabama before coming to OU. And so when I got to OU, people were like, oh my God, you're from Jersey. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, mm-hmm. I lived in Alabama, Alabama for right. a year. So you, Ooh, you, you're hardcore. Uh, so uh-huh. you taught at Alabama? Yeah. Yes, I did. And now you teach here. Yes. And but, who is yeah. your allegiance to in football? Oh my God, I don't do sports ball at all. You taught at UW-Madison, I know. Alabama. I know, isn't that crazy? So people, people will like, ball. yeah, people will be like, ah, oh, boomers sooner. I'm like, yep, all right. Great, good for <laughs> Go you. Go team. Yeah, no, I just, you know, I do I do watch soccer though. I grew up watching a lot of soccer, so that's in my heart. Fair enough. We'll, we'll settle for you not being an Alabama fan. Yeah, no, no. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so I um, came here three years ago to teach at OU. And my official title was assistant professor of Italian and second language acquisition. So I had a split position um, of uh, teaching Italian, cool stuff like Italian cinema. And um, the other part of it was teaching applied linguistics. Right. Um, And and applied linguistics is what? What is that? So so I taught um, courses like theory of second language acquisition, which is kind of like this combo deal uh, where you have a convergence of linguistics, sociology, psychology, education, um, to explain what is happening in your brain and cognitively in your mind when you are trying to learn a language. 
So like there's neuroscience in there Absolutely. too, right? Yeah, there's neuroscience in there for sure. You probably like look at like fMRI imaging of like how people's brains light up. Yes, yeah, we talk about stuff like semantic mapping. There's all sorts of stuff that we pull from um, neuroscience that is very useful for us um, in SLA because we don't have money to do expensive fMRI research uh, experiments, but we can glean a lot for um from those studies for SLA as okay. we call the field. I've never done it, but I read about it. <laughs> <laughs> what I took from all that is that she is smarter than you and I put together. Us. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I just have a PhD. It's no big deal. It's not a big deal. It's I a pretty hard you. degree. We, uh, <laughs> so so <laughs> you start so Jersey to UW Madison <laughs> to Bama. Well there's Italy to OU, Milan and, and Berlin in there too, but oh. yeah. I studied in Milan and Berlin. No, I taught there. I was a teacher in both places. Oh, I didn't study there. Uh-uh. I, I taught there. <laughs> big, di- big, uh, big time. Big Monaco. time. I went to Monaco. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, so three oh years ago, you come to Oklahoma, and then what happens? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was when I got to Oklahoma, I was like, wow, what is going on here? Things are just, oh, it's just so different, and uh, flat. It's very flat. Um, after the election, I got super involved. In fact, Andy and I um, yeah, co-hosted an event for we Let's did. Fix This down in Norman. It was one of our first like uh, kind of meetup deals we did down in Norman. Um, when you say really the election, cool. you're meaning the election in 2016. The election. <laughs> the election. There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got super involved um, and was just kind of uh, seeing, you know, I became a precinct chair, but then I moved up to Oklahoma City one year ago. Okay. Um, and I actually resigned from OU of my own accord because I realized that there, my values of community autonomy and having a greater impact was being served by the teaching part, but not by really the research part of what I was doing. Right. So because, you know, you submit a, uh, a journal article um, to, you know, to a journal and it's sure. like three people read it. They're your reviewers and two of them hate you. So <laughs> right. it's really rewarding. <laughs> it's good feedback. <laughs> And I thought that um, as like a super extrovert, like, I mean, I get like 100 out of 100 on like any personality test with regard to, you know. Probably yeah. also Scott and I. <laughs> oh, so I had to do, I. I super extroverts. This yeah. is a sidetrack, which I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of. Uh, I had to go to, uh, I was a chief resident my last year of residency. Yes. And uh, you go to this thing called Chief Camp. Um, that sounds so much. One time at Chief Camp. It really was. That's racist. <laughs> so there are those jokes. <laughs> No, but they had us do, so there were 50-ish of us at this thing, and they had us take uh, the Myers-Briggs, we went through the Myers-Briggs yeah, inventory, yeah. Um, and the first one we were going through, introvert, IDE, and he had us like line up in a horseshoe <laughs> of like, I was on the side on the end, and then it went all the way around to E, and I was third from the end on the, <laughs> e, on the E side. Yeah, that's where I would be too, for sure. You too, Andy? Uh, yeah, so um, I take the Myers-Briggs, I am... Uh, an E X X X. So my my other three <laughs> like are right in the middle. Like right dirty in the middle. E. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, I definitely am extroverted. Everything else is like I'm I'm very moderate, which is no surprise here, right? Like, um, I can never remember if I'm ENFJ or ENTJ, and I think it's because my I well, the thing is because I think my though my T and F are it's kind of like that. They're like. Yeah within like three points of each other. So it depends You're a t- like circumstantially. <laughs> so I did the I, I have a master's <laughs> in this. This is where I excel. 
to know that Kiersey book inside and out, both editions. So, so like I, I did the Myers-Briggs and it was actually part of this OU Leadership Academy thing. And But we also did this Hogan assessments thing. It's an inventory of your values, your personality, yeah, and kind yeah. of like the dark side of how you act or what traits you exhibit when you're under extreme pressure. Right. And it became this like running joke because my, my cohort got to know me so well that when we get like these, um, these tests back, our assessments back, they'd be like, you get a hundred on sociability and it would be like <laughs> off the charts, but not only for that, it would be like likes to party. Like that was a category hundred, um, mischievous hundred. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, okay, so ex- I would be a sociopath if, it, if manipulation <laughs> was like a hundred percent, I would be a sociopath except for my altruism was like 95 out of a hundred. So I was like, Oh my God. Just trying to try to hear a sociopath with a conscience. No, she's just trying to throw well, off track. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, I have the MPI in my office. If you want to come down sometime a couple of hours, we can really lay this out. Let's do it. He's going to sort you out. So you resigned from OU because you feel like you're meeting kind of like who you are in terms of the teaching, but not in terms of the like I academia loved, and the research. loved teaching at OU. I'm so, I'm actually super proud. Like the student teacher evaluations are like the most messed up things ever, yes. but I'm so proud of my evals. I have the Gosh. coolest emails like Danielle, Dr. Basilo, Dr. B should be president of the United States. (laughs) Like the students actually, they knew I was resigning and they, on their final exams, they wrote for one of my classes, they wrote what jobs they thought I should have. And so it was like, was it a question or they just volunteered? No, they just, they were just like wrote all this stuff down. And like some of them wrote like a bunch, like on the midterms, they also wrote, um, I was like everyone, this one I told, I was like, everyone write your favorite quotes. Uh, and so they all wrote their favorite quotes. And I have them. I'm like making a collage. Like quotes from you or like movie quotes? Some of them are both actually. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we watched silent movies. So some of the quotes were just like, quote, dot, <laughs> just dot, 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 dot. Like, <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. So the teaching part, I, I, I already miss. Um, I love teaching. It's my favorite part at OU. The students are so amazing because they're the right combination. It's God's country. Uh, <laughs> Because it's God's no, because they're the right combination of like really wanting to work, um, very very kind, and also smart kids. You know, so it's like it's so great because you could also have really smart kids that are douches. It's true. <laughs> that is also true. And also, you know, super entitled and all that. And I've experienced that too, but not taught, at, not at OU at all. I taught a MCAT and LSAT review courses for a <laughs> private company for a couple of years. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of really smart, really douchey kids out there. <laughs> So I basically, um, yeah, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, um, my brother, my parents, my uncles, aunts. Um, and so I realized that, uh, a, that I wanted to move back home, mm-hmm. um, to Jersey and be with my family. I mean, my parents are not getting any younger and I want to be near my nephews, all of that. And, uh, it's just my tribe, you know? And I thought like, oh man, I can't be in academia. Like the, the pay is really low. Mm-hmm. And the cost of living is really high in, in northern New Jersey, um, really close to, it's about 10 miles outside of Manhattan. Um, so, and I realized that this misalignment of value was leading me to basically do teaching in some other way, shape, or form. Right. And I was like, well, there's so much that involves cognitive linguistics in SLA. And there was such an easy jump to make um, from SLA to messaging, from the brain science behind messaging. So I basically just read a bunch of stuff and I was like, oh, I totally get this. I already know this stuff, like George Lakoff stuff. So, um, oh, yeah. Drew Weston. Stuff like that. I and read, all the frame- I read uh, George Lake off before I go to bed. <laughs> easy, to it's sleep. easy he's, nighttime reading, you he's guys. On, he's on my bedside table. Yeah, of course. I've got, uh, I've got, you know, little. Okay, but real talk, it. he looks like Santa Claus, and he, <gasps> he's from Jersey too, by the way. But obviously, he's a he's a professor over at UC Berkeley. I was say, you guys knew not, that already. Not for me, but for the listeners, <laughs> tell us who's George Lake off. <laughs> 
So George Lakoff is one of the most um, renowned American scholars of all time. He is a professor emeritus at UC Berkeley. Um, he does cognitive linguistics. And more recently in the past, I would say a little bit over a decade now, he's been writing books on political messaging for progressives because he knows how behind we are with regard to the right. And he even talks about the history of messaging on the right dating from, you know, the Nixon years. So his book, The Political Mind, I may have read that. Uh, so good. So we'll post uh, a link to his website on our blog post about this yeah. episode. Please do that. I would not recommend if you're just getting into George Lakoff, don't read The Political Mind because it's a really big book and it goes into a lot of detail. However, Don't Think of an Elephant is a really short, concise, right. very useful guide. If you're like, I don't know what to do. I want to figure out what to say, how to say it. And you don't want to play political defense, which is right. one of the things that the left has been doing way too much for far too long. So, and so we'll, um, you've kind of already alluded to this, but you are a, a Democrat or a, identify as a liberal. Is that you know, correct? Yes, this is correct. And I actually only um, about a year or so ago, sw- not switch, but formally registered as a, um, a Democrat. I just never affiliated with any Right. Party before. That's interesting, especially in Oklahoma, where we've seen like the independence uh, registration go up more so than uh, proportionally more so than either party. Um, And so, I mean, there's certainly folks are switch around. But um, what prompted you to decide to do that? I think it's because there was some there was a reason why. Oh, because I wanted to get more involved, become precinct chair. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to become a Democrat. That's totally cool with me. Um, And I made a lot of friends that way, too. And that was really cool. Um, I miss my Norman friends. I don't get to see them that uh, very often. So, um, yes. And so basically I, it was funny cause I resigned in January and I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, well, and like everyone <clears throat> as all good ideas, uh, come to you in the shower. Uh, I, <laughs> I was <Yes>. like, <laughs> some of life's great insights happen in the shower. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can I just say this is really funny that there's like a roll of paper, like toilet paper just hanging out on the, it's barely a roll. It's not a role anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Thank you for making fun of my disability. <laughs> what? what? I have bad like allergies, aller- allergic and vasomotorinitis. See, I can use big words too. Does that Ooh. just mean your nose runs often? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga! See, you can't use big words with a linguistics professor because she's like, "Oh, I know what that means." You can't fool me with your rhinitis and vasomotorness. I really want to just be in a spelling bee. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Can fun. you s- s- say it? What? S- the word. Which word? Vaso- Something, yeah. Vasomotorhinitis? Spell it, Daniela. The, can, can you use that in a sentence? <laughs> he has vasorhinitis. I have vasomotorhinitis. Vizo. Vaso. Vaso. Okay, yeah. V-A-S-O. Yes. Motorhinitis. <laughs> well, no. Vaso, vaso motor rhinitis. Oh, that's so easy. V a s o m o t o r r h i n i t i s. She nailed it. Right. Boom. That wasn't that hard? It was a <laughs> compound word. It wasn't the one that I suggested. Well, after she asked me to sound it out, I'm like, okay, just break it down I by just, syllables, and I'll no, just... I just couldn't hear the first because you talk like fast, like I do. It's a Jersey thing. That are you? Wait, you're from? Are you from Oklahoma? I am from Oklahoma. Okay, and you are too, right? No, I'm from Texas. Okay, he's from everywhere. We're just fast talkers. I'm. I yeah. lived in Minnesota for a few years, mm. yeah. but they thought I talked funny too. So democratic messaging yeah. consultant, is that yes. what you do now? Yeah. So I opened up, I, well, in April I decided like, okay, 
I'm going to do this and it's going to be my full-time thing. I'm going to become an entrepreneur. And so I posted a, just, I made a Facebook post and I was like, hi, uh, I'm a professor of applied linguistics. And if you are a woman and you're progressive and you're running for office, I'd love to offer my services pro bono um, to help you with your comms and messaging. And within like, I don't know, 10 days, I had like 15 different. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, so you do, yeah. This, you do this for free? I did. Okay. Yeah. You got started somehow. Yeah. You got to get started somehow. Sure. And I, you know, and so I wanted to help people out. I want to get more women elected and I want to get obviously more Democrats and progressives elected. Can, can you say, can you say who you have worked with so far? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, Devin Denton, Jackie Phillips, Patterson or Patterson Phillips or other way around. Um, Caitlin Dockery, Lauren Grotz. Um, and I know I'm missing a whole bunch that uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chantel Corey, um, and a bunch of other ones that are not coming to mind at the moment. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I there's mean, also a 2020 race. And okay. Already. Planning ahead. That's yes. probably where the... Already working on. That's, right. I like seeing people think ahead so, that far. Yeah. So... But that's know, not like... There's other... There's a yeah. whole bunch of other ones. Those are some of the pro bono services I offered, and now there's a whole bunch of other candidates I'm working with. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we've had several... Sorry. <laughs> we've had we've had lots of candidates on the show but you i think are the first first consultant kind of yeah. consultant so people i think there tends to be and maybe this is just me because i try to follow this world a lot and i read a lot and it fascinates me i think though that sometimes people think about they hear the words like political operative, political consultant, messaging consultant. I dabble in the dark arts of oppa like research. Spies. Yeah, like they think it like they kind of brings this like but she can't do the James Bond thing. Like Muscuglio. <laughs> Daniela Muscuglio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It brings, you have, you have some it, I think it like <laughs> brings to mind like 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 I think there's this it's kinda of like lobbyist, right? Like it's it's a similar term in that you say the word lobbyist mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. automatically have this negative right, yeah. connotation. There's to a that. stigma that for sure attached to it. And um well, so and there have like, been other even candidates who have openly, you know, talked and trash about consultants. That candidate didn't make it through her primary. Sure. Our candidate did. <laughs> well so <laughs> against her. <laughs> well, so I guess I, I guess I would yeah. say what can you kind of tell the listeners, like you're a messaging consultant. Like it, people, I think people think that means that you tell them what to say. But to me, I think what it probably means is the candidate has ideas and values and things that are important to them. You tell them how to say it. That's exactly right. The latter, not the former. Yeah. So I, I am willing to bet that there are consultants who do things like, no, you need to say this. Um, that's not what I do. Um, so I do... Um, messaging and broad communication strategy, which lends itself also to kind of brand strategy. And you are your brand. It doesn't matter if you're a candidate running for office or you're a salesman or whatever, own a company. Um, So my approach basically is to, first of all, I really have to get to know you and the most important events over the course of your life that helped shape you as a person that led you to the moment where you decided to file um, to run. Um, so from that, I think one of my greatest strengths is being able to synthesize. I can't say that word, synthesize. I have a little bit of a lisp. Um, and basically distill what values, right, that you cultivated during those probably difficult times. Um, and what values or what, you know, for example, what you, the values that your parents instilled in you. Um, so we work from there. You need to, um, 
you know, I work to identify and hone your personal values before we go into your values as a candidate, right? So, you know, nyoti sautan, as they say, you have to know yourself. And the biggest thing that I realize with candidates is that when they get up there, um, and on both sides of the aisle, you know, they're like, tell the details of their lives, and then they're telling about all the problems in Oklahoma. I'm like, no one cares. Like everyone, like first we're, of all, we're keenly aware of those problems exactly. already. Exactly. I'm like, have you ever written a grant proposal? What are you going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. And I'm like, you need to talk. And I have like this little, I always show my canvas. It's like this triangle inverted pyramid. Basically I'm like values first. Right. And then go into your um, policy. What are you going to do about these things? What are you going to do for me? And then you can include some of the details of your life. Sure. That's right? so funny. I was writing, I wrote two grant proposals today for different things and that's the order in which I followed, but I mm-hmm. wasn't thinking about it in those terms and now I feel proud of myself. Yes. Nice job. <laughs> I written, yeah, so many grants and you just have to put yourself in the, in the shoes of, you know, the, the, the grant uh, mm-hmm. reviewers. Right. It's what you do you know? care about and how are you going to do it? Exactly. Yeah, which actually brings up an interesting point, which is empathy. Mm. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> he just put on his therapist face. I want you to know that. Oh, I, it's the same face I always oh, wear. I totally that's forgot. That's true. that's also what you do. Also, yes. Yeah. Would you? Well, okay. So I'm curious <laughs> to put the tables for like a second. Yeah. Let's fix this. Is like a fifty-fifty thing with your counseling with with therapy, or is it like no? Oh, well. <laughs> We don't we don't pay him for this. Right. So I have a job. I have a That's day, your day job. I have a day job in yes. healthcare. Right. That is not counseling. Okay. Not directly. Okay. It's healthcare administration. Um that's my day job. That pays the mortgage as it mm-hmm. as they say. Um and but my background is in is in mental health okay. uh, counseling. So I don't have um I'm not doing I'm not actively doing counseling really right now. Mm-hmm. I've had a, a number of like premarital couples I've worked with mm-hmm. over the last year, which has been fun because nothing's gone wrong yet. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Smooth sailing. Most of my other experience has been with post-marital counseling, mm. um, and which is also really enjoyable and because if people are coming that they want to fix things and it's cool. Um, Let's Fix This started two years ago on accident. Good segue. As, as Scott said, it doesn't pay anything, but mm-hmm. I really yeah. believe in it. I believe this is what Oklahoma needs and yeah. I'm passionate about it. And then also... Um, I'm the director of Freedom of Information Oklahoma, which um, promotes, I did not know that. Yeah, that's new. So that um, uh, FOI promotes open and transparency Boy. in government. <laughs> Foi, Oklahoma, <laughs> as my wife says. Um, so oh, congrats again! Thank you. I'm getting married. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and I say jokingly. I mean, it's not a joke because it is a fact that you don't get paid for. Let's fix this, but it is also a fact that you should. You oh, know, yeah. like well, we're still fact. new. Yeah, no, we grand are. Proposal, we're doing it. Grand proposal, I think, that, I think one thing we don't we don't talk about it on the pod really because it's just until something that comes up. But the amount of time that you put into this is, I mean, it's a lot. Like most people, I mean, you put it, you put in the time and let's fix this that some people should put into their jobs. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so well, and it's um, that's like mind-boggling to me because I know that you have two minis. I have two, yeah, two, two kids. Do you sleep? Yeah. Um, we're also fostering a puppy right now, so I'm sleeping I less. That. I He's saw on Instagram. Oh, my God. So, so yeah, adorable. So, so cute. So last night I went to bed at like 2 o'clock or something, uh, 1.30, and then I woke up with the dog at like 3, and we're up for an hour, and then woke up at 6. Um, and so, but, I, and then in between there, I was like building a new website for FOI Jesus. Oklahoma, which is going to be awesome. You know, no um, big deal. No big deal. NBD. Whatever. 
Well, I just it was that and like keep the dog from chewing on me. Well, as puppies do. Yeah. So anyway, no, but it's um, it's important stuff. Someone's got to do it. Huh. I don't mind. All well, that to say, <laughs> just because we're we're gonna we're gonna be potting until midnight, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I've got more gin. Um, uh, so <laughs> why 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 does how you say things? matter like why is it yeah. not this like is, uh-huh. why is it not enough to have the values to have the things that you believe in to know what you're for why does it matter how you tell people about that yeah um so i think this has to do with the study of pragmatics and so it's all about intentionality and the intention behind your words so a really easy example of pragmatics would be i can say this to you i can say oh yeah right scott or i can be like yeah right scott so it's a totally different thing completely different meaning um so that's just a really easy example of how you say words um in a different manner and it completely changes the meaning um i think that since (laughs) i'm gonna go all the way back to the enlightenment um (laughs) i love the enlightenment no that's That's, incorrect you don't think incorrect you don't like the enlightenment no no No, seriously, it was good. We are beyond the enlightenment. The enlightenment needs to be thrown in the trash. Recycled. No, recycled, upcycled. Because I have a a book for you. I have a book for you. Well, actually an article in a book for you that talks about, um, you know, Descartes' error. Actually, and this is this is per- this one? is actually perfect that you're talking about this because one of the things that like people on the left and progressives do is ascribe to um, subscribe to um, the rational actor model, and so basically still believing in the tenets of the Enlightenment, essentially in logic and math, and math is fine, um, and <laughs> and uh, reason and being able to just use word and disembodiment. So it's just about what uh, you're able to say this, as opposed yes. to taking cues, right, right as to information from your body as to how that informs thought processes sure and eventually words too in action um so i think that you know and this is also something that george lakoff talks about in one of his books um he is like no and we know this from the research in sla too that language doesn't just come from the words happening like coming out of my mouth we have embodied cognition we can't think of cognition simply as um a logical cold hard reasoning um, the body is also cognitive. It informs, right, the brain, right? right. right? And your brain processes that. I mean, as sure. a doctor, you're yeah. like totally down with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we need like, I don't know, a new name for the enlightenment. It's not the enlightenment anymore. It's like, I don't know, the well, embodiment. Had, yeah. Well, because we had I mean, enlightenment, we had post-enlightenment, and now yeah. we're on, yeah, embodiment. What are we, what are we say, on now? And when I say when I say I love the enlightenment, I I don't mean to think to say that they were all correct. Because <laughs> I think that's... We just had a brain in a jar experiment? <laughs> right. Uh, I just uh, I don't think that they were all correct. I just as a uh, when I was learning about history, I enjoyed. Learning you were like respect. Well, yeah, I get it. So uh, <laughs> it sounded like what you were going to. I don't know why my sound effects were gone. You, now. Wait, why do you not have the air horn on your? Because that is crucial. I've, I'm googling sound Sorry. effects here. Um, I'll get them for the next episode. <laughs> so what, what you what I what it sounded like if I heard you correctly, what you were saying is that. Um, candidates candidates these days candidates they love them ascribe to this model of like reason and logic and they and they believe that if i just say the thing that makes the most sense people are going to naturally be drawn to it and i'm going to win and my hunch is mm-hmm. i'm just going to go out on a limb here is that while reason and logic might might make good policy they make bad campaigns yeah you need to actually 
be emotional, be impassioned. I mean, not, you know, have a measured sort of amount of, uh, you know, in, uh, passion and mm-hmm. emotion in your campaign. And certainly uh, when you're, you know, right. doing your stump speeches, for example, but that's actually really important. Can I proffer um, an example? And yes. And the other thing I wanted to mention really quick, quickly is that one of the things that, again, that on the left, uh, more on the left, and I hate to even, you know, sort of conjure up the image um, that is just so stuck in our brains. Like, I mean, physically in our brains too, this idea of the political spectrum, right, that right, there right, is such yeah. a thing as a moderate. Right. Anyway, but one of the things that left, you know lefties or liberals progressives do is they just assume that if i just list the research and statistics then the people will naturally understand and do the right thing and we know that's not true like we have the science and we understand why that is not the case right and well how do we end up with someone like trump in office that just constantly lies right right because people want it's the emotional connection that they that they're Wanting to believe in. Right. He, it's, it's, yeah. it's the emotional connection people want to believe in. But I would also say, though, that with with Trump, because... Affect, yeah. We, because it's, it's, it's several things. So one, to your first point, um, I would say, to me, to me, one of the most clear-cut examples is Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Like, if you look at them on policy, they are, I think, very, very similar. Now, they faced different mm-hmm. circumstances when they were campaigning. I like Hillary Clinton a lot. I think she would have made a great president. Same. Um, however, I don't think you can look at her as a communicator and Barack Obama as a communicator and put them oh, in the no. same league. Oh, no. So different. League, Isn't that right? amazing? Right. right. And even though they were saying many of, not the same things, but very similar things. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. This is. I mean, I've been saying, I'm cutting you off um, in the middle of your two things, but like that people wanted, um, people want hope and change, right? Um, even if they no, it's not actually going to happen. Like yeah. They want to believe in hope and change. People want to be inspired. Yeah. People Absolutely. Want, people want to be inspired. Absolutely. And the thing is, and this is what, this is what, I mean, and you know, again, to be really clear, let's fix this as a nonpartisan, a nonprofit political organization. So I'm speaking only for myself. Um, whether you like it or not, Donald Trump inspired some people, right? Of course. It, it, like, and, and that's Just why the way Hitler inspired. And that's people. why he won is because there are people that he inspired. And so people want to be inspired. So the first, that's the first thing I would say is that example of Clinton Obama, I think is, is, is to me, that's kind of what you're talking about. The other thing is mm-hmm. you're right. But I think it, people that people want that emotional connection beyond just like the data. But I also think though, that, it, that there's another component to it, which is that people have, have, and I say learned for lack of a better word, People have learned, decided, been conditioned not to trust sources from which data comes. Oh, right. Right. Because there's a lot of bad ones out there. Well, I mean, hey, a lot of the methodology that comes out of, you know, even reporting in the state, I'm not reporting, sorry, journalism, but like, you know, um, sort of uh, more election oriented. Sure. But I don't even mean just like, like journalism. I mean like science right like yes, people like there's yeah. been a, there has been like a there has been a movement vaccines. where like sci- right and this like vaccines are probably the best example and this is something that i deal with all the time that people come in and like you say okay well there's there's all of this there's literally thousands of studies involving millions of children that show that there's no connection between vaccines and autism mm-hmm. and then you talk about that and people say well I don't believe that. And I read this one, this other thing that says there is. And I read this other thing that like, you know, a friend of mine, her kid was, 
you know, her kid got shots at two, and then when he was two and a half, he was autistic, or the next day he was autistic, or yeah. whatever the case is. And so, like, <laughs> right. And so, no, anecdotes, I mean, right, are much more powerful than statistics. Why is that? Like, is that is that in your field? Like, we're why superstitious yeah. as fuck, no, man? No, <laughs> no, but no, because think like, about how much more salient, whether perceptually or not. So, like, when you hear an anecdote. You are envisioning that situation. You're like, oh my God, so-and-so's kids, like the day after they got a mm-hmm, vaccine, mm-hmm. he started feeling this way and it was he stopped talking, he stopped this. So you're imagining that in your head that fits into a certain narrative structure. It's actually physically embedded in your brain. Whereas if you just hear 99% of vaccine studies right. have shown that, blah, that doesn't blah, mean blah, anything. Blah. That doesn't quite, that doesn't hook into any sort of deep physical narrative structure in your brain. This is deeply embedded stuff that has been happening right in the human brain. So in the, in, in your, the newest part of your brain for, I mean like hundreds and hundreds of years, just like, for example, you know, like stuff that fits the narrative would be like you working in a hospital and the doctor and there's visitors and operations happen, whatever. So if you saw like a visitor doing an operation, the OR that does not fit the narrative. That's not what I, you would expect. That would definitely not be what you would like, expect. Uh? <laughs> so it just, it, it's not accepted, so to speak, right? It doesn't hook into the brain. Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't sit in that narrative so structure. If we could, um, in the interest of time, I'd like to, I'd like to talk about two specific examples yes, of political is, messaging. I was going to say um, we need to, we need to recently. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then at the end, I want to end with getting some quick hints or tips from you about how we, as regular folks that are, talking to elected officials at the state, at the city level, whatever, mm-hmm. um, how we, things we should be mindful of in our messaging and how we, how we talk to people. Can I, can I give a plug for my workshop next week? Yes, you? please do. Okay. Um, well, let's end on that. So people cool. know at the end. So stay tuned listeners <laughs> for important information. Don't um, leave. That's right. So, um, so the first one I want to talk about is, uh, the, um, Green the vote. So this is the recreational marijuana folks. We mentioned, I think, last week that they that the the former now executive director admitted that he had lied about the numbers. Mm, right? Mm-hmm. He had said he had inflated the numbers because he believed that if they if they lost momentum, um, if he if he gave the real numbers, they would lose momentum. People would be disappointed, and things would just flatten out. Right. Um, clearly the wrong move mm-hmm. i think just at f- just face validity says that's a that's a bad idea sure um any insight that you could provide though <laughs> don't let me lie I mean. <laughs> don't lie <laughs> don't the research clearly says <laughs> don't lie listen kids take notes do not lie your parents were right it's it's you know it's really obviously it's really unfortunate i i really don't know that i have any other insight and i mean that's kind of like a ethics obviously issue it's a little bit different yeah does does his i like i mean he was wrong for him to do it sure but was his theory about why it would work is that wrong like is he right to think that if if he inflated the numbers yeah that using that as a messaging strategy, right? Like if I tell people that we're being more successful than we are, that will generate more momentum. Is there, oh, any, yeah. is there anything there, to suggest that that's effective? Oh, so much. I mean, the right does it all the time. Trump does it all the time, unfortunately. So I think it just blew up in this guy's face. And it, yeah, people do that all the time. Do you, well, for one, he was he was kind of um, called to the carpet by members of his inner circle yeah. right mm-hmm. secondly did you happen to watch the video the facebook video no i did not okay well are we, that, are, is that the one we're gonna watch no oh 
we I don't have it pulled it's, up. It's, it's long. The one we're going to watch is better. Yeah. Awesome. That video is long. Um, but the popcorn. I uh, was watching or listening to Scott Mitchell's. Um, he does a, you know, run of the pod. Mitchell Talks podcast with News 9. They do a News 9 series every week with uh, Scott Mitchell, Grant Herms, and Aaron Broback. <clears throat> and it's usually pretty insightful. And they mentioned this uh, on this week's episode about the video. And it the guy, for lack of a better term, looked like a pothead. Uh, and so of like, like this and yes like i mean yes squint, the kind of squinty yeah and, and just and it like i think everyone had heard about it already because the other people announced that he had lied and then when he came out it was like dimly lit like on a couch and, he, <laughs> and it was like oh god it's totally true even if look guys oh no he's totally Here's playing the, into that like, awful stereotype the thing is man like <laughs> brillback made a reference Dude, to these guys they took the they took the rug, man. Like they just took the rug and they just peed on it. <laughs> really tied the room together, man. Was, that rug was so great. All right, so that's the first one. Um, the next one we're going to Daniela doesn't know what we're talking about. No, is this a movie quote? The Big Lebowski. Is this a movie? Oh quote? man, I love that movie, but I haven't seen it in like. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Fun story. Back in two thousand eight, I actually uh, a, f- a friend and I we were Walter and the dude. For Halloween. That is fantastic. I mean, I had like theater beard. Like nice. it, it was so good that my friends, I came in and my friends didn't recognize me. <laughs> well done. That's <laughs> solid work. Fist bump. Boom. Yeah, it was great. For those of you listening at home, that was a fist bump. <laughs> All right. So the next thing we're going to uh, discuss is a campaign, an actual campaign ad that is being aired on television right now. I saw it this morning and I texted Scott almost immediately. It has been the talk of the town, as they say. This is a campaign ad for um, gubernatorial candidate uh, in favor of uh, Mick Cornett. It, it, and one thing, and I don't know, I don't know if it's important for us to say this. Or not. Do we know is this being aired by the Cornett campaign, or is this being aired by like a PAC who is working on behalf of Mick Cornett? Right. I'm not sure. Let's watch and find out. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna play it. So you'll hear it, Daniela. You're gonna see this for the first time. Ooh. So it's just a commercial. It's only 30 seconds long. Okay. Kevin Stitt says Mick Cornett is in favor of sanctuary cities. That's a bunch of bullshit. Bullshit! Mick was mayor of Oklahoma City, and it's never been a sanctuary city. The police chief agrees. At Kevin Stitt, his company was named one of the 15 shadiest mortgage lenders in the entire country. Who do you believe? The chief of police? Or old Bullstitt? That's just Bullstitt. Okay, so I love it. So that's that. Um, oh my god! So, as a political yeah. messaging consultant, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Oh my god! I think it is actually quite genius. As soon as people see it, they're not going to be able to get that out of their heads. It's so catchy and so short, and right. they repeated it like three times. Right. Yeah. It's lather, so they, rinse, repeat. They that's, book in, yeah. right? They say it at the beginning. They have the rancher say it, who's an actual Oklahoma rancher. Mm-hmm. The one with the end, I don't know. She may be an actress. Bookend, yeah. And then, uh, and then in the middle, just the bulls did, <laughs> which I'm, I, I want. Bulls did. I really want to. Can you make that cut into that one of yours? Yes. Put on the soundboard exactly. here. Exactly. Um, yeah. Again, that's to be really clear. Really good, and it's short. It's for, only 30 seconds. For anyone who's listening from the tax commission, please don't take this segment to be an endorsement of Mick Cornett for governor. We are simply critiquing this ad from a political messaging right. perspective. Right. No, yeah. Um, I just thought it was catchy. And because I saw it on social media, like I saw it on TV this morning, and then not 15 minutes later on yeah. social media, someone had a screenshot 
in reference to the bull that was loose right. in Oklahoma City <laughs> the other night, they just posted bullshit, and I was like, oh man, that's, well, it's already made wow. the jump into like the common vernacular. It's and becoming I, like a meme. Well, right. almost like, a local. Yeah. What you know, and you texted me. I think it was like six forty-five this morning, and and I watched it, and my response was much the same. Like, oh, this is hilarious, and it's brilliant because, yeah, again, like you said, it's short. People will remember it, but the other thing is. It's something like it can almost be a whole campaign, right? Like you can take that phrase, the bullshit, and you can build, I mean, the number of ads that you can, oh like the God, number of different endless. and unique ads that oh, you can build right. off that phrase. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because you can say like people, like if Kevin Stick comes out with a new proposal, they can say, well, that's just more of the same old bullshit, right? It, right? it undercuts like, everything. Can, yeah. Like it, it, it's, I, I don't know who Mick Cornette's campaign consultants are. I don't know who of them like came up with that ad, but uh, whoever you are. Well done, sir or madame. It could have just been a bunch of eighth graders, though. Really. <laughs> Probably, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I think, like, um, but that's, it's got that, as we said earlier, like kind of a face validity. Oh, it's, it's catchy. It's, it's short. Very, um, it's got a good punch. It has well, the it's <laughs> bullshit. Like, yeah. oh, the, that's so good. The Cornette campaign was airing. Do we have, do we have Stitz ad pulled up? I can pull it up. Yeah. Keep talking. So, so <laughs> the Cornette campaign aired this in response to an ad that the stick campaign aired last week and it was hitting Mick Cornette on two things. One, um, his alleged, uh, support of sanctuary cities and, um, not saying that there should be a border wall. And then two, that, uh, that Cornette was not, uh, a Trump supporter. He was basically saying that Mm. Mick Cornette was a quote unquote, never Trumper. And then also saying that he wanted Oklahoma city to be a sanctuary city. And so he aired an ad kind of hitting, Mick Cornette on those issues and this is the Cornette campaign response if we can find the Kevin Stitt ad I would be curious to see like your reaction to that one Mm. and say like kind of it's gonna be hard to beat from a comparing yeah from a comparing to contrast standpoint like what works about like what works or doesn't work about the Stitt ad yeah and what works or doesn't work about the Cornette ad Mm -hmm. as a response to it sure so fun fact I don't even I don't own TV oh I just I in, I just watch the internet. Okay. Um. Yeah. Like Hulu and Netflix and whatnot. Not even. I honestly don't. I'm so entrenched right now. So I'm working for um the comms director for Mark Miles' campaign. He's running uh, for attorney general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have my own firm. It's DFB Consulting. Uh huh. And then I also work. We have a campaign consulting consortium called Front Runner Campaigns. Uh huh. So I also do work with them. Um. That's how I'm part of like uh now uh of a Mark Miles's campaign. Right. So, yeah, I don't even... You so, don't own a TV. What's all your furniture pointed at? You know, it's interesting because it's... <laughs> you know, I have this really cool, like, feng shui kind of, like, flow. But there's no, good, there's no good place to even... It's weird. I can't explain it. But there's no good place to put a TV anyway because I have all windows and a big fireplace. That's probably genius on your part. It No, it yeah, it is. So don't... Don't look at an elephant. Don't call it an elephant. Don't whatever. What's it called? Don't think of an elephant. That's um, the short, concise guide that I totally recommend because you can okay. blow through it in like a day or two. Yeah. Um, and then there are just there are just so many other theorists and uh, academics that I pay close attention to. So Rob Willer of Stanford, old framing theorists, semanticists, Charles Charles Fillmore, Irving Goffman, Drew Weston, Jonathan Haidt. Uh, Haidt. I always pronounce it Haidt. It's not. It's a, definitely Haidt. H A I. I need a list of all these people. Yeah, for sure. And is Overton Window, is that something you don't, don't like you deal with too? Overton Window? Yeah. What are you talking about? So the idea that like no. Probably no. So the Overton Window is the idea that like the over the Overton window is is 
the bounds of the window are what's considered like normal, right? So like uh, uh-huh. in immigration enforcement, the Overton window would be one end would be you let like the paradigm would have been first that like, okay, we don't have open borders, but if people come across and like, you know, they're not breaking any laws, we're not going to like actively like, it's still illegal. And if we catch them doing something, then maybe we'll deport them. And mm-hmm. then that's one end. And the other yeah. end would be like, we're going to try harder to catch them. But when we do catch them, like before we deport them, we'll, you know, see if they're actually causing any problems. This is kind of like an issue of relativism a little bit too, it sounds like. And so one of the arguments about like Trump is that by like the family, like by the family separation policy, he moved the Overton window Uh and made the other end is like, we're going to deport everybody and separate children from their families. And by moving that side of the window, he's now made it more acceptable to have Mm -hmm. a much, much, much more stringent border policy and make it seem normal because mm-hmm. he stretched the bounds of what's considered possible. So like yeah. the over the Overton window is like the window of what would be considered normal and acceptable. Oh, I and see. so you can move the window How do I not know about by this? like changing yeah. one extreme or the other. So like the, the progressive end of like moving the window would be like, we're actually not going to have an immigration policy. <laughs> Whoever comes in the United States, however they want to get here, however they get here, once they're here, we don't care. That's really interesting. Um, you know, so again, we have the image in our brains because it's so deep in a narrative structure of the spectrum, right? right? But I do think that it is useful when we talk about um, pulling. So what the right has done over the past 30, 40 years is essentially pull everything more towards the right. Yes. So, you so know. So that the center now actually looks right. like what would have been that's a, right. like pretty straightforward Republican position yeah. 20 years Just ago. Just listen to, you know, Ronald Reagan's speeches, speeches on immigration. He was like pro-immigration and pro-immigration reform and all and that amnesty stuff. amnesty and everything under race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess we're not, can't find that. I can't find okay. it. There's a bunch of articles about it, but apparently about a week ago, uh, shit got ugly and both sides just started throwing attack ads. And so yeah, here we it's are. Been, it's been so crazy. So, you know, even on the uh, attorney general, I don't know if you guys are playing, paying close attention to what's going on on the GOP side of the attorney general. Yeah, between... Uh, oh, we got oh. nasty. Got, we had a debate, actually, and it got nasty in our debate. Oh, Not as nasty man. as I thought it would, but... Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Daniela, can you give us... Uh, we'll kind of end on this note, but yeah, give us a few tips for regular folks, um, for yeah. like listeners who may be planning, you know, looking forward to meeting with their new legislators, um, yeah. city council, mayor, whatever. Um what are things that we should keep in mind when we're talking to legislators to help make sure that our point gets across the way we want it to? And that you're sticking the landing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. You can do it, Gary. You can do it. Uh, so what you, what you need to, the first thing you have to think about is that we're constantly playing, as I said in the beginning of the show, political defense. And so even by, and this is what don't talk, don't, don't talk, don't think of an elephant talks about a lot, is that you are still activating quite literally in the physical frame, right? The neurologic, the, the neural bundle in your brain, even when you are negating the thing, right? So, so the, the most famous example is what did Nixon say? I'm not a crook. Which time? Oh, <laughs> everyone knows, right? <laughs> the thing, the thing yeah, that, yeah. right. It doesn't I matter. You're still, yeah, I am not a crook. So you're still activating that frame and, and thinking about him as a crook because he said that, even though he said he wasn't a crook. Right. So, um, this is the first thing. So um, you need to completely reframe what you are saying and you need to play. What I'm trying to say is you need to play political offense. So you need to find a way to make sure that you are not um, uh, that you are not, for example, 
listing statistics and facts that does not resonate, right? Have very clear, specific, short anecdotes because the longer that you speak, and I tell this to my candidates too, the longer that you speak, right? You dilute your message. Economy mm-hmm. is power. Right. Um, and keep it short and simple. If you have five minutes, say it in three. And I use that same rule. If you have five words, say it in three, mm-hmm. right? Because people remember uh, what you're saying because we don't have long attention you spans. You know, that's, that's one, of the, one of the best teachers that I ever had was my uh, European history teacher, my uh, AP European history teacher, my sophomore year of high school. And like, she's the one who taught me how to write. And of her many things that she taught me, one of the lessons that's always stick, stuck with me, it was like, if you could say something in 10 words or you can say it in five, say it in five. Always. If you can say it in five words, but you can also say it in three, say it in three. That's right. Like Always. That's uh, a, it's an absolute key to success. <laughs> if you can just not talk at all, that's preferable. <laughs> oh, man, oh, shade. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you should try this sometimes. Just turn it, turn it a term paper. I know you asked for 20 pages. But I feel like I can get mine in one word. We, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have my one word term paper. So if you can, um, so the idea, okay. So I, I want to, I want to just mention this. Um, yes, I am progressive. I am a Democrat, and I work only with Democrats and progressives. However, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I really believe that we are two wings of the same bird. And that I absolutely refuse to have anyone believe that we are uh, as divided as people may uh, purport that we are, whether it's this administration or, for example, the agenda of the Russian meddling was exactly that, right? To sow chaos, to divide us even more. I'm not having it. So the... (laughs) Hashtag hoax. <laughs> Hashtag rig. Fake news. Right. So Hashtag but the sad. way that you reach across is by your common values. And so the funny part is that, you know, when I talked, when I trained Kansas, uh, when I talked to him, even I, I talked to uh, lots of groups of people. And I was actually in Dallas a couple of weekends ago to do a workshop there for the North Dallas, Texas Democratic Women. That's a long title. Okay. Um, is that the values are, uh, you know, we share a lot of the same values with the other side. Who doesn't value prosperity, opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Security, right, freedom. Right, right. But the problem is we need, to, we need like to reframe and we need subversion tactics because no one owns words. Nobody does. But yet when I say the word freedom, right? Patriotism immediately, um, that you think of one conservative side. Right, frame. Yeah. that's right yeah so we actually need to start reappropriating that's like the best use of reappropriation of like you know we need to reappropriate those words and take them back yeah. really no one owns words um so speaking on the basis of values and repeating those values of whatever it may be transparency accountability those things the other side gets down with that too mm-hmm. right they're not okay with flagrant spending millions of dollars just going poof and being lost right. right in our government and we know that too from like republican primary voter reports that they're just like 80 percent are just fed up with how things are going with the budget the economy yada yada so um always remain you can be impassioned but don't raise your voice like stay calm you can still be impassioned and you know and uh have a sense of calm when you're getting your message across um so yeah those would be some of my some of my tips don't give in to right this culture war um right and I don't know, uh, of just kind of spitting anger and hatred back because the right, like people on the extreme right, so Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh, they're playing on the fact that they're capitalizing the fact that, um, you know, your amygdala will literally get enlarged because of all the hate speech, right, that they are spewing uh, on a daily basis if you're listening to them, right? That's how messaging works. Lather, rinse, repeat. Amygdala enlargement. 
Mm-hmm. So look that George. up. It was a Yale. It was a Yale. You know what I'm That's talking about? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? crazy. Your feels feel water. Wow. Your fear center. Your fear center it, for extreme conservatives right. is a lot bigger than you know that study. That's it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Totally. I um, yeah. Has to do with the word. So you know we have a <laughs> the word the word. So we word, have a, word, a, word. a handout that we use um for people that are going in to talk to their legislators. I want to see it. We call it a letter to our legislator or a letter to my legislator. And it's basically a a worksheet, right? Uh So you put your contact info at the top and then it's three parts. Mm -hmm. Um, What it is you care about, why you care about it, why you care about it and what you want them to do about it. Mm -hmm. That's great. um, And that's because I felt when I made it, that was like the most concise way to explain it. So like if you care about education, just put education, why you care about it. I'm a teacher. I also have two school age kids. I don't get paid enough. Can I give you some feedback on that yes, immediately? Yes. So the problem on the left is that um, when I ask people, hey, what do you guys care about? They list off policy. Oh, right. It's not the same thing as values. Sure. It's not going to land. And the problem is on the on the right, they also care about education. Right, right, right. right? So getting well, that's, more. You know yeah. us, we designed this for everybody, right? Sure. So like people can write whatever they want. They can care about education sure. or cockfighting or <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, like... They don't like bad weather, whatever they want to complain about. I love. I hate clouds. That's right. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't like the the culture of fear that we're creating in our schools. I love that voice that you do. What is that? Which one? That sounds (laughs) like that one you just did. That one right there. The dude from uh, Family Guy. Look, uh, I've never watched a full episode of Family Guy. What? She's never seen Friends, but she watches Family Guy. Right? No, no. Come at me. Come at me, bro. I've definitely (laughs) seen Friends, but I've seen it. So basic. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) It is basic. Basically a great show. <laughs> Back to budget and bad jokes. All right. Um, Daniela, you mentioned a minute ago you have an event coming up next week. Please tell us about it. I do. Yes. Yeah. So on, it's actually my first and probably only OKC workshop. Um, it is on Wednesday, August 22nd, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Paramount Room, right uh, right on Film Row mm-hmm. on Sheridan mm-hmm. Ave. And it's called The uh, Language and the Brain. Um, how to craft effective and powerful messaging. So I'm basically going to be explaining more about the brain science behind messaging and what sticks the landing, so to speak, in terms of how you communicate and why that is. So it's not about like really too much about the physical structure of the brain. I'm talking about like the Werner's Brokaw area, stuff like that, but about the cognitive structures um, and these narrative structures in addition to like neural bundling, stuff like that. Wernicke's aphasia, Broca's aphasia. Broca's aphasia, yeah, like that. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, go. And it's going to be hands-on. So we're going to talk about values-based messaging as well. Brains in jars. Brain. Let's get excited. <laughs> We can't, I'm, I'm hesitant to even bring it up because we can't get into it tonight because we're already like up against our time limit, but I would love to have you back and talk specifically I'm in. about messaging and social media. Oh, yeah. Like, like I think we could do a whole like talking about how to take the concepts that you're talking about and like how, how the concepts about communication and messaging that you, like where your expertise is expertise is and how that fits in this modern landscape of social media. What if we Fabulous. have the conversation where we, we force ourselves to speak in much shorter sentences, like <laughs> 280 <laughs> characters, like we're <laughs> tweeting at each other. So like whatever you're going to say in, in two sentences like this, you've got to just off. be like, what do you mean by that? And just, God, that would kill me. Why though? <laughs> I'd be so bad at it. How I'd many, be so you, bad at it. You know, he's just trying to tell you to like, 
Yeah. Do I talk too much? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's no, not, it's, I, no, we're all kidding. talking. That's <laughs> why we have a podcast. So, yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, the workshop that I'm doing. It'll be super hands-on. It's a chance to network and meet new friends. What and there's is a full the, bar uh, at the Paramount Room. What does it cost? Um, so, if um, if you're at the door, it's going to be 40 bucks. Okay. It's two hours long. Um, but I'd like to offer a promo code for Let's Pod This People. Nice. We, we, Ooh, love, we do code. love promo codes for our potters. Yay. Okay. So if you type in Let's Pod This at the checkout. And so you can find the event on Facebook, by the way. Okay. If you type in the brain and language, language and the brain, it should come up. Um, I can give you guys a link. Uh, yes, please do. And we'll, put put on, we'll, put, we'll put it on the blog. and we'll, sure. Can we put it on our Twitter too? Yep. Can we tweet it? Cool. Yep. $10 um, off the ticket price. And right. this is what day? 22nd which is a Wednesday okay. it's in a week uh, totally terrifying low-key low terrifying and <laughs> what time will be it coming out <laughs> so, uh, the, the event is uh-huh. 6 to 8 p.m. awesome yes all right super yeah. well Danielle thanks so much for being here thank you for having me it's been awesome it's been a pleasure we're gonna go to a quick break and we'll be right back to wrap up All right, we're back from the break. Scott, what's on your mind? So there's two things that I wanted to bring up this week at some point, and there's, it's kind of related to a conversation that we had last week. Um, for those of you guys who listen every week, God bless you. We had Senator A.J. Griffin on the pod last week, and there are a couple things that, as I was kind of reflecting on our conversation, things that I wish, and I don't even want to say like push back because that's not what I mean, but I wish that we had, I, I think maybe... I think maybe the conversation came off as maybe a little bit flippant or dismissive. And I don't think that's certainly not what I meant. And I don't think that's what Senator Griffin meant either. And there's, there's two things. One. So we talked some about new candidates that are running for office. And I, you know, Senator Griffin made the comment that there's like, you know, she hears like people that are debates and people that are like, I got inspired and like, I've never been involved in politics. I'm going to run for the first time. And here's all the things that I'm going to do. And she was like, no, you're not. Like you're you're not gonna, you're, you're not going to do any of those things, and and we talked about that a little bit, and I didn't want that to come off in a way where it felt like I or like let's fix this or we or whoever don't support new people running for office. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't want you just to, want like measured expectations. Yeah, like and and because I think it is important, like that new blood is absolutely important like new blood in politics matters but at the same time everything is a trade-off and so maybe the trade-off is maybe you're a republican in a heavily democratic district and so for you the trade-off of losing a democratic legislator with 10 years of experience and knowledge and you know institutional expertise and seniority losing that kind of the value that comes with someone who has that experience and replacing them with a freshman, but who has more of your like kind of ideological leanings, maybe that trade-off is worth it to you, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're a Democrat and a Republican district, vice versa. It's just important both for candidates and voters to have expectations that you, if you want to get involved and you want to run, you absolutely should, and you should run and campaign on whatever is most important to you and what you think you have to contribute but don't necessarily think that you're going to go change the world like in the first year. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's anyway, that's, that's all I was trying to say. Cause I just, I was thinking about afterwards and I was like, man, I don't want anybody to hear that conversation and think like that we, cause we have, there's, we've had a lot of first time candidates on the show. There are several first time candidates who listen to the show. I didn't want anybody to, to hear that and think that we were being like dismissive of people 
that are running for office for the first time. Because that's hey, not man, how we meant it. I, here's my example is that um, Obama, in his in his campaign in 2008, he talked about he was going to close Guantanamo Bay. And I was super pumped about that. And he never did it in yeah. eight years. And it's yeah. still open today. Mm-hmm. My hunch is he had an office and he learned some information that mm-hmm. he did not have as a candidate. And he thought, yeah. oh, snap. Okay, well, we'll just leave this little prison open. <laughs> right. There's people here we have to hold. That's my guess. I don't know. But he got really quiet about that. And I thought, I was kind of disappointed. I thought there's yeah. probably a reason yeah. for that. So Many. Sure. That's a long and short of it. The <laughs> second thing that I wanted to bring up, and it's a similar kind of thing, was with, regarding the teacher walkout. Because um, Senator Griffin had mentioned that, like, you know, like, all these people showed up, and it was kind of like they were, like, marching at our place of work, and no one could really tell us why. And it was, like, kind of, like, not a, like, not a very effective way to advocate. That's, I think, the point that she was trying to make. Oh, right. And... I, I want to say two things. Like, one, you know, I was a supporter of the walkout before it happened, and I think you were a supporter of the walkout before it happened and when it happened. And there are people who said that the walkout was not effective. I would disagree with those people. I don't think that the revenue package that was signed earlier this year, I don't think that ever happens without the threat of this massive... The threat of the walkout was right, effective. Right, 100%. But nothing changed after the walkout. Everything was passed beforehand. Agreed. I don't... I, I just... I didn't want teachers who spent 12 hours a day at the Capitol for two weeks, again, many of whom listen to the show, to think that we were trying to say that what they did was unimportant or a waste of time. Oh, no, that's fucking awesome. Or, uh, <laughs> Rock on, teachers. <laughs> yes. You did the thing. Like, that's, right. It's hard work, and then you did it. Yeah. So. Right. I just, I was kind of, I was, you know, sometimes I listen to the episodes. I don't always listen to the episodes after we post them, but I was kind of reflecting on our conversation last week, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just worried that those are two things that could have come off as being a little bit dismissive mm-hmm. and I, and I wanted to make sure that anybody who listens knows that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't where I was coming from. And I don't think that's where Senator Griffin was coming from either. But. Do you get any comments or anything that alluded to that or, uh, no, no, okay. like this is, curious this is no one like, no one like hate tweeted me or like whatever. This is, this is literally your you, reflection. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you said that the idea of like opening this campaign consulting firm came to you in the shower. This was something I was thinking <laughs> about. Like, like I was taking a shower like Friday morning or something. You're in the your gym. beautiful clawfoot tub <laughs> that I totally took a picture of because I love that tub. That's so weird. Let's uh, this. This was not Scott Melton's tub. <laughs> this y'all. Was, I do love that tub. Uh, but this was not a tub. This was a this was a shower. I thought and I was like, you know, I just don't want I don't want this to come off as as dismissive at all. Yeah. Because I, I don't I don't you know we've talked about it before. I don't ever want anyone to listen to the show, Democrat, Republican, liberal, progressive, however you libertarian, however you like whatever you identify as, I want you to feel like your thoughts and perspective would be like welcome here. And I don't want you to feel like this is a place that is trying to alienate people who think like you. Kumbaya, my friend. You Two like wings of the same bird. Two. Caw-caw. 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 So with that, <laughs> feel free to wrap up. All right. Well, uh, Scott, thank you for being here as always. Daniela, thank you for being here as well. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcast. And you can find us on Spotify now, which is very exciting. That helps other people discover us and become better informed. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This OK. We're on Facebook at Let's Fix This OK as well. Scott is at SC Melson. Andy is at Andy OKC. Danielle, are you on Twitter? 
I am not on Twitter. Okay, Facebook. that doesn't count then. That's Facebook it. only. Sorry. We'll post a link on the blog post for this. So be sure to go to our website, letsfixthisok.org, and look at the blog because we'll put that out there the same day that this um, episode launches. Uh, remember, our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And uh, let's pod this as a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network based right here in Oklahoma City. Our theme music is generously provided by the Sugar Free All Stars. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to become engaged with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week. 